And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another episode of Doing the Work, the first show on the Back Home Network dedicated to covering Indiana women's basketball. I'm your host tonight, Kathy Amos, and joined here by my co-host, Jeff Marlowe, and our special guest, Amanda Foster. Welcome back, Amanda. Thanks for joining us tonight. Of course. And tonight we are just... We are discussing your number two Indiana Hoosiers outright Big Ten championship and previewing their final regular season game coming up this Sunday against Iowa. But let's start the show the way we start every show, and that is with our banner moment. And, you know, guys, I think <laughs> it may sound weird and maybe not, but I think I'm going to go back to Tuesday night, right? So that was uh, that was a big moment when um, Indiana wasn't even playing, but Maryland um, just went and completely demolished Iowa in that game, which made us the Big Ten outright championships. That's never happened in our program before. So when we tied and got a share of the Big Ten championship, that was what our team did back in 1983. This time we are now outright champions. So in 40 years of having women's basketball in the Big Ten, this is the first time our program has ever had the outright championship. And for me, that is our banner moment for the week. And as always, our banner moment is sponsored by Homefield Apparel. Homefield is constantly releasing new schools or updating their products for schools in their existing line. So you're bound to find something for you or anyone in your life that just loves great collegiate gear. They are always refreshing those current schools and coming out with new ones. So if you want IU gear or any other college team, you can probably find something at Homefield Apparel. Not only do you get great quality apparel, but you're supporting an Indiana-based business that came up through its roots of Kelly School of Business. And go, you can find them at homefieldapparel.com. And if it's your first time ever purchasing from them, you can use our promo code HOME, H-O-M-E, to get 15% off your entire first order. Again, that promo code is HOME, H-O-M-E, for 15% off. And the website is homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. All right, so let's uh, go ahead and move it around and see what's going on with the rest of our folks here tonight. And Coach uh, Marla, we'll kick it over to you first for Coach's Corner. What is your initial thoughts tonight? Uh, first of all, Kathy, I'll kind of follow up. I don't know if you saw this. I saw it on Twitter a little bit some, some point this evening. My understanding, Homefield is coming out with a new Indiana women's shirt tomorrow that they'll be dropping at 10 a.m. I'm assuming that's Eastern time since they're based in Indy. But so there will be a new Indiana women's shirt they're dropping tomorrow, speaking for home field apparel. So check that out awesome. at 10 a.m. Uh, Eastern tomorrow, and I assume 9 p.m. Central. I, I'm going to go back to, and, and I, I really liked your, 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 uh, your banner moment here. And I, I want to go back to two weeks ago. And that's what I thought that game, I mean, it seems obvious now, but I really felt like that game against Iowa had, was really big to get that win, not only to possibly set up just getting a share. But I really felt that, and I and then you and I, you and Ari and I were texting this a couple different times in the group that I I kind of was like, don't sleep on Maryland here. Maryland had the potential to run the table, and if we had lost at some point down the line, now you've been talking about possibly a three way tie, and and then you get into all kinds of tiebreaker scenarios and stuff. But but by IU winning that game against Iowa at home. It really, as long as they just held, you know, did their, you know, what they were supposed to do at home the rest of the way against Michigan, especially in Purdue, that you knew it was going to put them in a pretty good situation to the most they would do, uh, or the least they would do is share probably with Iowa. 
uh, as well. And we talked with Austin a couple of weeks ago as well on here about that kind of same scenario that it didn't think three, you didn't think three losses was going to really possibly get you sure. That was an outside chance. And looking at it right now, it two is two is minimum of what it's going to take to win it. And one possibly if we went on Sunday. So that I just go back to that game two weeks ago with Iowa, that there were a lot more implications there than simply beating Iowa because I just felt Maryland had the ability to run the table. And I thought they would beat Iowa in college park, which they did on Tuesday. Now, I didn't think they'd beat them as bad as they <laughs> Not did. That bad. Not as bad <laughs> as they did. I thought it'd be a more competitive game. But I, so, but everything obviously from that went on just really has fallen for the Hoosiers and, and kudos to them. As we talked about the other day, kudos to the program, coach Moore and the players, everybody involved. Yeah, absolutely. Um, echo hundred percent of that. So um, next we'll go to Amanda for Amanda's analysis. So what do you have for some insights for us tonight, Amanda? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like I have to talk about Sunday's game against Purdue because we've talked about, you know, playing Iowa and then all the other things that have come, kind of happened in the past week, whether it was Iowa, Maryland or whatever, um, because that game, I feel like coming, going into it, like obviously going into games like Iowa and Michigan at home are much bigger than Purdue. It was a noon game, but I, it was a sellout crowd and that, in itself is is huge and I feel like is is super important because you've seen how much this program has grown even in just this one season alone not to mention like last season when they had a couple thousand people per game and looking at the videos of that is crazy because like Mackenzie Holmes came back against Northwestern probably like a little bit over a year ago and I have a video of that on my phone and I thought there were so many people and I think it was like 3,000 yeah and then this past Sunday you have a sold out arena and it it was a noon game so the energy was like a little bit iffy sometimes but it was a it was a good game everyone knew kind of what was going to happen I feel like going into it like nobody was cocky but it was the the levels of the programs that Indiana and Purdue are are not quite the same and because Indiana had played so successfully against teams like Iowa and Ohio State and Michigan just recently that they were on such a roll that they were able to, to put that across to the Purdue game and, and really play a very good, solid game, obviously cut the, the nets and all of that and celebrate on the court after. Um, and then so that that really stood out to me because you saw a lot of, again, just how the program and the team is as a whole where they played all out 40 minutes, no matter who was on the court, you know, you had all like a bunch of bench players on in the last few minutes, still playing like they were only up like a few points maybe. And that really stood out to me because you see how much everybody cares about it, cares about the win, cares about each other, cares about the game and their coaches and, you know, whatnot, everything like that. Um, but you, the identity of the team is as strong as it's ever been. Hey, I want to follow yeah. up on that, Amanda, a little bit. I want to follow up on that. Just because Kathy and I did the post game show and we were kind of maybe a little quick, we had some of the workaholics who were like, please wait, you know. But I think I think it gets lost even on TV a little bit, and Kathy may disagree with me. Yeah. But just you were there. What first of all, and and I was found that interesting. You you kind of mentioned you didn't feel like some maybe the energy at the beginning of the game. I was wanted to kind of ask you, you know, what was it like being there at eleven thirty? and seeing the crowd coming in and filling up as much as it did. And then also just kind of maybe describe what it was like at the end of the game from a crowd perspective. And once they brought the trophy out and stuff like that, because I don't think that all comes across well on TV. Yeah, it was, I mean, I remember my, so my mom and sister came into town for the game. They flew in from New York. And so they had plans to get up super early and go wait outside in the lines. And they were asking me, they're like, when do we get up? I was like, I don't know. I can't, like, this has never happened before. (laughs) I can't tell tell you what to do. You just got to (laughs) go. Yeah. So they got in, they got in line really early. And so they got good seats and see, I saw videos of the line and they were texting me and then driving up and it, it was crazy to see 
how many people were writing outside. That was very cool. And getting in like, the, and this is not like anything I say is not to like diminish the, the crowd and the people who showed up because it was fantastic. It felt like a noon game. Like for the men, like the noon games, the crowds are always kind of like a little bit low. Like it's, it's Sunday at, at 12 o'clock. Yeah. People aren't going to be super energetic. And so from my perspective, like there weren't a lot of students there, which was a big thing that like when you look to the Iowa game, a lot of students showed up for that one and that contributed to the overall energy. Um, and so I think that was a big thing that the Purdue game was was missing in a way is just that sort of energy. Not that people weren't cheering and being very like deafeningly loud at points because they definitely were. But the the prolonged energy I felt like was not as great as it was against like when Ohio State came or when I or even when Michigan came which was the only thing that I noticed. And then after the game, I mean, everybody knew it was going to happen in the last three minutes. So then it got like loud and people were very excited and the, the trophy came out and everybody was cheering and they did the senior celebrations before the game. And so that was, that was great. But then people, I don't think everyone realized that there was going to be more after like people knew that they were going to be cutting down the nets. So they announced that, but the crowd did start to trickle out sooner than I expected. And so by the time that like they showed senior videos, people, there were not a lot of people there. It was just like scattered here and there. Um, and so the, the really big fans stayed and cheered and you probably saw videos when they were cutting down the nets. And that was very cool. That was, you know, exactly what you would expect. I think even if it didn't come across as much on TV, you can kind of imagine what people were thinking, but people did start to kind of trickle out as that was going on. Um, which was kind of interesting, but also expected because there's not, you know, you can stand there and watch, but only for so long, I guess. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they said on the TV that people start lining up at 430. So maybe they were That's just crazy. ready for a nap by the time they get in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're like, I've been standing outside and right. then I watched a whole basketball game. So now I got to go to bed. Right. Yeah. I'm ready for my Sunday nap. So, okay, guys. Well, um, yep. this is what I thought um, before. Jeff, sorry, did you have anything else you want to talk about before we jump into previewing Iowa? Yeah, let's, real quick, I thought it was interesting that, that, that if, for those who are in our community, and Kathy Ari has been texting back and forth with us a little bit, and Jared, that the IU uh, ticket office has made a change. And this goes for all of our fans who might be wanting to go to the first and second round game. Those will now be a, a, pretty much everything in the lower bowl sounds like it's now going to be assigned seating for the NCAA tournament. Whereas it, I think before and last year, it was kind of like, maybe just the first few rows and then everything yeah. else was general admission. But our understanding from our friend Ari is that everything in the lower bowl is pretty much so I, I think we're going to see heck really great crowds. Don't you Kathy at the first and second round games? Yeah. I, yeah. That was going to actually ask Amanda about that at the end about oh. kind of talking about what's coming up. So no, it's fine. We can do it here. I didn't uh, surprise. I didn't tell you. Um, so Amanda, <laughs> what's kind of the vibe are you feeling on campus since you're there around, you know, our next home game will be an NCAA tournament game. Are people starting to talk about it? Are they starting to get excited? You know, it's a Jeff's point last year, I think, um, only like rows 20 and below were assigned seating and everything else was GA. Now it's all lower bowl is assigned seating and balcony is GA. But what, what kind of vibe are you getting around campus? That, well, so first of all, with the, the ticket thing, I didn't know about that. That makes me wonder if they're trying to do some sort of like student section type thing, because I, I know people so. have been pushing for that. And I <laughs> hope so for, yeah. for my friends and just for the environment and everything. Um, and I have definitely heard a lot more about, Indiana women's basketball in the past like three weeks than I have 
ever before on campus just walking around. My sign language professor has brought it up multiple times in class of being like, are you guys going? You should go. Like, we like we like the women's team. Like, yes. And my friends are talking about it. And like my roommate doesn't watch basketball, but she knows all about them now because I talk to her. So everybody there. There's certainly I don't know if she's going to go to the games, but everybody knows what's happening um, yeah. in a way that they didn't even know you know, in January, which I think is, right. is super cool and, and obviously says a lot. So I think come come March and, and you know, right after spring break, it's going to be, there's going to be a lot going on um, right. and all, all good things. So. Yes, that's true. And, and that's true. I mean, you're like good vibes can be contagious. And, mm. you know, I live here in, yep. in Iowa and I talk a lot about our women's team, even though they might not want to hear, but I have a, one of my best friends, she's actually an Iowa state fan and she tuned in to watch the Iowa Indiana game the first time it was texting me with about it. And she was so, you know, even sometimes people that aren't even, you know, fans per se can, can catch some of that a little bit. So it definitely can be contagious. So hopefully we'll see that come March, but um, so what do you guys think? Um, I thought we could jo jump in and preview our next opponent, which is Iowa, our next and last regular season opponent. Um, I thought we'd do it maybe a little differently. Talking, Usually we talk about statistics. I thought we could talk about where each team is in terms of, you know, kind of where they're at statistically in those categories in the Big Ten. I thought that might help frame some people's um, point of reference. So to start us off, I'll just give a quick history. And then, I don't know, Jeff, if you want to talk a little bit about some of the team stats, and then we can cover individual stats and then just talk about the implications still of this game because I think there's this misconception too right now among our fan base that while we are not necessarily playing for a Big Ten championship either a share or an outright Big Ten champ championship on Sunday that there's nothing left in this game I think there's still a ton of meeting left in this game and implications for postseason play in particular I thought we could kind of touch on that before we wrap things up um, so just to, again I'll give a quick brief history here um, Iowa currently is ranked number six. Um, the game time is at noon, one central on Sunday. Um, excuse me, is that uh, two cent two Eastern, one central. I'll get time zones correct one day in my life. Um, that's this Sunday, the 25th. The exciting thing for this, I think, is that the um, ESPN is going to be there and it will be uh, college game day for ESPN as well. So they'll be opening doors up actually to anybody that has a ticket at 9 a.m. They're going to be broadcasting from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. This is central time since I was in central time. They'll be broadcasting um, game day there from 10, 11 um, on uh, with all the anybody that has tickets to the game can go there and come in for game day and be um, part of that as well. Um, in terms of history, IU is 22 and 52 all time, including only four wins and 34 losses in Iowa City. So in terms of historically between the two programs, it has definitely been lopsided in Iowa's favor. Um, I think we all remember the last game between them, though, was in Bloomington that Iowa or excuse me, Indiana beat Iowa 87 to 78. In terms of uh, record, Iowa is now 22 and six overall and 14 and three in the conference. That was after their most recent loss on Tuesday when they lost Maryland on the road 68 to 96. So, Jeff, do you want to kind of get us started and we can talk about team stats and we can each kind of give some thoughts about where each of us kind of think about maybe? Yeah, it's just this is one of those where you when you hear the stats and you were and where they're ranked, you're going to be like, oh, that's why they're at the top of the league, you know. Uh, um, Iowa points per game. Iowa's first in the league at 87.6. Indiana's third at 81. In points allowed, Indiana's first at 60 points a game given up. Iowa's ninth at 70.9. But again, they still are outscoring their opponents by 17 a game. 
Indiana around 21 a game. So, again, you can get an idea of why they're both at the top. This is the one I think if this game was really coming down to kind of deciding the conference title, this would be the one I'd be worried about. Iowa's third in rebounding at roughly 40 a game. Indiana's eighth at 36.7. Iowa's first in field goal percentage at 50.8. Indiana's second at 50.2. Three-point field goal percentage, Iowa's second, 36.9. And Indiana's third at 36.7. Iowa commits uh, 15 turnovers a game, which ranks ninth. Indiana commits seven, uh, excuse me, I read that wrong. Indiana commits 13 turnovers a game and ranks fourth. Iowa commits uh, 15 turnovers a game as well. They force 15. Indiana forces 17. Uh, Iowa's at first in assist turnover ratio. Indiana's second. And fun fact, we are first in block shots in the league, and Iowa's last at two and a half. So we're at 4.6. Iowa's at two and a half. But, yeah, I, I just think when you hear those numbers and where they are statistically, you're like, oh, this is why these are two of the top three teams, excuse me, in the league. Um, but the one that jumps out, the one that really jumps out at me is the fact that Iowa gives up almost 71 a night. Yeah, absolutely. How about you, Amanda, from those team stats that Jeff um, rattled off for us? Is there anything that you like to think about in particular that might be something we want to watch for on Sunday's game? Yeah, that, that was a lot of numbers for a Thursday night. <laughs> um, I'm not I'm not a math person. Um, but one thing that I have had in, in my mind since Indiana played Iowa and especially watching Iowa play Maryland is the turnovers because – Iowa does not – I mean, they're, like, average on turnovers like like we saw, but they had against Maryland 24, which is, like, 10 more than they average per game. And Indiana forced three – what, three turnovers in a row against Iowa before Iowa even scored when, when Iowa was here. And I think it throws the Hawkeyes off a lot when, like, their opponents are, are playing very difficult defense. And so if Indiana is able to force a lot of turnovers again – you know, obviously, Carver Hawkeye Arena is going to be great and supportive of Iowa, but they can still be thrown off if they're not able to play their type of basketball. And so I think turnovers are going to be, again, a big thing either way, because the same goes for Indiana, that if they have to, if they're forced into a lot of turnovers, it's the same situation, because I think that turnovers are one of the things that mentally can get to you as well as being on the stat sheet. And both of the teams, while they're so strong mentally, that might be one of the few areas where they both can struggle at certain times. Yeah, I I agree. I think in terms of team stats, the other one um, Jeff touched on is rebounding. Iowa being third in the Big Ten at 40, and Indiana is down at eighth with 36.7. And that's definitely something we've talked about in the past, where it's definitely, in my mind, a key to the game, right? Being able to get in and battle Iowa on the the glass, both offensively and defensively. But with Iowa being, you know, so prolific at scoring, I think it's important to hit those defensive boards in particular and not let Iowa Iowa get a lot of second chance points on Sunday. So um, let me um, hey, throw quick, through. Yeah. Kathy, before you head on to the individual stuff, but yeah. I do think it's important for our fan base and, and, and the team is different, but I want to say it was two years ago. We went out to, or it was two or three years ago, but I know we only got four wins, but this Grace Berger's been part. And I think McKenzie was part of that group that went out two or three years ago and beat them in Iowa city for like the first time in like 20 years at that point, 25 years, something like that. So there is a little bit of, uh, there's some of these kids players who've been on the team that have been at least had some success in Iowa city and they played them tough in Iowa city last year, got behind early, you know, got behind big made a bit and made the run. But so I, I, I know the record in the, in the history is kind of against us, but, 
I think we'll play well, as, as, or at least I think we'll compete, let's put it that way, on Sunday. Yeah, I do too. Um, let me just start a little bit and the individuals, I won't go through them all. We'll pause. We'll start talking about some of the individuals in these, these this game coming up as well. Cause there's a lot of big names in this game to watch. Um, not just Caitlin Clark, although, you know, to her credit, she's a fantastic player and she does lead the league in points per game at 27 points per game. But Mackenzie Holmes is second in the league as well at 22.6. And then also in the top 25 is Monica Sonano at eighth with 17.3. And then the other people we'll want to watch for from Iowa are um, McKenna Warnock at 11.2. And then on Indiana side, of course, we have Sydney Parrish and Grace Berger at 12 points per day game and Yarden Garzon at 11 points per game. Now, one person in particular that I rattled off of that list, Amanda, I wanted to get your thoughts on is Monica Sananu. So we really shut her down in the last game that we played against them. And I think that's something we saw with Maryland as well. And it just seems like she's perhaps maybe been exposed now in how a team can guard her, or maybe she was just having a couple of off nights. But what are your thoughts on Monica Sananu and what we might want to think about playing her coming on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, definitely both Indiana and Maryland were able to shut her down, and she really she didn't get a lot of opportunities in either game. And I noticed at least during the Maryland game, and I believe this also happened during the Indiana game, but I was re-watching the, the Maryland one earlier, is that the way that – Maryland's defense was was working against Iowa was keeping her out of a lot of opportunities and forcing Iowa to do different things and Iowa's offense as a whole was kind of thrown off by Maryland's defense but a large part of that was because Zanana was not open to to receive passes and underneath the basket she just wasn't capable of, of producing the way she is and so I think that's something that Indiana is going to have to do again. And we saw the way that she matched up with Mackenzie Holmes and the two of them kind of going back and forth at times. And Mackenzie got the, the edge over her, obviously. But I think a big thing for this Iowa team as a whole and, and with Sonano is if you can shut down our Caitlin Clark, that takes out a lot of scoring and the, Indiana has the capability of shutting down Sonano. We saw it before and, and Mary, that if you can just cut her out completely or force her to foul she fouled out when when they played Indiana earlier and so I think you know all of her talent is still there and she's definitely a very big person to watch for and she's going to need to be guarded heavily so she it's not like she's like fallen off or but I think teams have gotten a much better idea of how to contain her because even if you can hold her to to 10 or 12 points that's a lot less than what she was doing even just last year when she was able to dominate so much against Indiana. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that 100%. Jeff, what are your thoughts on Monica Sananu and how you think we might go about guarding her? Well, I think it's more about what they may try and do to us. I, I think they'll try and make an adjustment and really attack McKenzie in the post. because with she, And that's the matchup you figure. And I don't know who else we could have, at least in the starting lineup, guarder. You're not going to put Grace right. on her. You're not putting, you're not putting Sydney on her. You know, so it's going to be McKenzie versus Monica Sonano. And I would, if I was Iowa, I, my first thought is that first of all, like Amanda said, they really struggled to get the ball to her against Indiana or against Indiana. And I didn't see a lot of the Maryland game, but I saw the box score and she didn't really have a lot of shot attempts. So I would think mm-hmm. an adjustment they're going to make is they're going to want to try and get off again. Caitlin Clark's going to get hers. All right. They're going to get, she's going to get her 26, 28 points a game or more. But I think they also understand that if they really want to make a deep run, Sonano has to play well. So I would expect them to really try and pound it into Sonano early and see if they can either get McKenzie in foul trouble or get Sonano some easy buckets to where she starts, you know, kind of gets a little confidence roll going. 
that she maybe has been lacking a little bit. You know, even even fifth year seniors, fourth year seniors, sixth year seniors, they they have games like that or, or stretches like that where you know you just all of a sudden your confidence kind of wanes because you miss a few shots, maybe you get in some foul trouble. Like Amanda said, she fouled out in that game in Bloomington. So I I really expect them more about not so much how she's going to guard McKenzie, but more about how they're going to try and make McKenzie have to guard her in the post and just really attack her and see if they'll get the officials to call some stuff on on McKenzie and see where that goes. That would be my thing. I, I'd just be like, we're going to attack in the post time after time after time down the floor and see how Indiana guards it and whether we can get her going and get some fouls. Or if Indiana just starts doubling, which Terry Moore has not done a lot of, then we kick it out to shooters and Warnock and Clark and, you know, and the others. So. Yeah. And I think the, the um, Sonano and McKenzie Holmes battle is going to be interesting just because of how efficient they both are scoring, right? McKenzie Holmes is first in the big 10 at 69.2% field goal percentage and Sonano is second at 66.9. So they're both, when they get the ball, they're very good at scoring and pretty efficient as well. Um, Again, of course, we can't overlook, of course, Caitlin Clark. So Caitlin Clark put up 35 against us in the last game. Um, she also had eight turnovers in that game. Um, and uh, I'm tr- sorry, I'm trying to find her rebounds here as well. I think she had some pretty good amount of rebounds as well against us, didn't she? She was close to a triple double. Yeah. Yeah. She sure was, did. I know she had a double. Four. Okay. She had four rebounds. No, I she thought she had more. Double. Okay. I thought so too, but yeah, yeah, according to the box score, she only had four. So, um, but she also had four fouls, but um, <laughs> so, so Caitlin Clark, to your point, Jeff, uh, she, she does tend to get hers though, so 35 points and we still managed to, to beat her. And I think in part because of what we did with Sonano, but do you go about it the same way? Do you kind of take that same philosophy that it seemed where it was going to be, okay, let's let Caitlin Clark get her, you know, 27 points or so that she averages, or do you try to do something different against her defensively, Jeff? What do you, what do you think we're going to do this time? I, I don't think Terry Moran's going to change up a whole lot. You may, I think, again, I think they may try and take Caitlin Clark. I thought Caitlin Clark settled a little bit for the jump shot, especially from about the second quarter yeah, on in that. Bloomington. And, and rather than being a little more attack off the dribble. And I think maybe you'll see that as well, that they'll really try and attack I would imagine Chloe off the dribble because I think Chloe will get the assignment to start with. And then it'll be a little bit by committee, but I think Chloe will be the primary assignment early on. Let's see if you get Chloe in foul trouble because then if you get Chloe in foul yeah. trouble, you basically get our best 1v1 defender and an, a good offensive excuse me, option in foul trouble as well. So I think I, I look for Caitlin to be more, more aggressive, kind of same thing, just be more aggressive trying to get to the rim rather than selling for threes. And the other thing here I want to kind of get – you know, uh, Kathy, you and Amanda both as well. And on this part of the question too, but that environment on Sunday, you know, it's Iowa senior day. They've got kids who are going to make their last home regular season appearance and, and such. So, you know, there's, and, and Kathy, you kind of alluded to this. Iowa can still get the two seed if they win in the big 10 tournament, they can still get the two seed. So they have something to play for. And so, but I, I really kind of think and Kathy, you live there and Amanda, you've been at games and stuff. I just kind of figure what do you think that environment in Sunday, at least fun, at least the beginning on senior day is going to be like, and Kathy, by the way, is going to the game for those of us who, you know, for who are watching us on YouTube or listening on the podcast, she will be there repping the red and white in her candy store. Yep. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You want to take that first, Amanda, what are your kind of thoughts on just what to expect from that overall atmosphere? We might have lost Amanda. Um, there we go. <laughs> I, oh, yeah, my internet has been on and off all night. Um, I think yep. it's going to be a ridiculous 
I don't, I unfortunately will not be able to go because I'll be at Purdue the night before for the men and that is too much driving. But um, if I could go, I would, because I think it is going to rival anything that Assembly Hall has had. Like even just watching on TV, you can feel it because it's, that's 15,000 people all packed in there. And I've, I've talked about this before is that it feels like there's a, there's a rivalry going on between Iowa and Indiana now. And yeah. at least like mm. on the Indiana the students, students have to feel it on the Iowa side so they're gonna show up and be crazy and like you said it's it's the senior night and whether or not people are returning next year it's it's gonna be difficult but I also think that if any team could get past it it would be Indiana because they're so controlled in the way that they play and they're not too high or too low they just kind of take it seems like they do a good job of blocking everything else out so I think it's going to be big, but I don't know how much they're going to be affected by it. Yeah, I, I, I think that's spot on there. I think it's going to be a very charged atmosphere. It's sold out. And, you know, while I maybe this maybe we'll segue into this part of, of the, the show about what's still at stake in this game. So, you know, Jeff already said it. So for Iowa, if they win, they're most likely going to be the two seed in the Big Ten tournament. If they lose, they could drop down to the third seed. But I think even bigger than the Big Ten tournament is just seeding overall for the NCAA tournament. Um, and that's for both teams. Right. So right now, they, the NCAA committee revealed again their top 16 seeds again tonight as if the tournament would have been played today. And Iowa is a three seed and um, Indiana is still the number two overall um, number one seed. So I think for Iowa, if they win, that could promote really, depending again what happens in the tournament, I could see that bumping up them to a number two seed. But for Indiana, if we don't win, I, and again, depending on Big Ten tournament, I could see that dropping us down below maybe still a number one seed, but maybe not that number two overall seed, which we know is very important in terms of matchups when you get to the final four as well. So, you know, I know it's 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 neat on paper to say, well, let's just rest our, our starters. I don't think we'll see that on Sunday because I, I think there's more implications to this game than seeding the Big Ten tournament and and just overall, obviously, the Big Ten championship. But Jeff, what are your what are your thoughts now that we've you know had time to kind of digest where we're at going into this game? What, what do you feel are the bigger picture implications of this for both teams? I don't think a loss in Iowa City is going to drop us out of that number two overall seed. If it does, it'll drop us maybe to the third. But that I do agree with you. You don't want to drop into that number four overall seed because then you're probably going to match up with South Carolina at the final four. But I, the one good thing about us being the number one seed is Maryland and Iowa are going to have to – if everything draw, goes to paper, that Iowa and Maryland are going to have to play each other in the semifinals. And that's to our benefit. We don't have to beat both of them at the Big Ten tournament. To, to win it as long as we you know as, as long as everything advances according to C. I think more along the line the only thing that really in my mind is going to really hurt Indiana seeing in the Big Ten in the NCAA tournament is if for somehow they got beat on Friday night or right. Friday afternoon for in sure. the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, if they lose that, like for example, Nebraska, I think right now is the number eight seed on paper mm-hmm. and would be who we played. If Nebraska upset them, then I think maybe. But you look at also we were talking about a little bit of this in the in the in the group text that it's more also about the teams that have been losing around because Ohio state stayed, I believe on that four seed or three seed line and, and the latest revealed tonight. Yeah. And three. They it's, moved back up to three. Yeah. I moved back up to three with a win over at, at Michigan. I think that's more about the teams that have been around that area, been losing 
and, and stuff. So I, I think you also have to take that into context. You were you were texting me. I mean, Kathy, Colorado and Stanford were in overtime, going double, overtime, double overtime. Yeah, and, they went to and double know, overtime. Yeah, and I don't even know who won. I mean, I just yeah, know, Stanford just, ended up winning. So, yeah. you know, so Stanford, who's kind of been in that mix for a number one seed and, and right there in that kind of that same grouping, you know, it, it, there's just, you know, they've had some tough games and stuff. So I, I'm one of those, though, and, and somebody, I think maybe it was Eagle Eye or somebody else in the workaholics pointed this out. I, I, I was the one who posted on here a couple of weeks ago in the last two games about how Terry Moore would approach this game. I think they're going to approach it like they're going out there to win. Yep. I myself think that if it gets away from them, if, for example, in the second quarter, Iowa jumps out to a 15, 20-point lead and the crowd's going crazy and you just can get that vibe, I wouldn't be surprised if she rested the starters a little bit in the second half and be like, you know what, we've got, a, we've got our seating. We don't need to do anything else. Just get ready for the Big Ten tournament. But we'll wait and see because, I, like I said, I think she's going to play the game to begin with. She's going to go for the win. She, whereas – you know, we talked about whether or not she would just rest them and play mostly the kids off the bench. But I think, I think she'll see how the game goes. If it's a tight game all the way, she's going to play for the win. But if it, for some reason, like I said, it gets to 20 at some point, I think I, I would not be shocked to see her rest McKenzie and Grace and a couple others to try and give them some extra time before they'd have to play again on Friday. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So Amanda, what are your, your thoughts? What, what are some of the implications of a win for us or a loss either way um, you want to spin it? What are, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm pretty much along the same lines of, I don't think a loss can really do much. I don't think it should do much in the, in the grand scheme of things in NCAA seating, because when you think about it, it would be their second loss of the season and it would be to a top 10 team in a sold out environment in like, you know, all of that going into it. So that shouldn't be as like, not like a problem, but that I don't think that would be enough to drop them based off of how the rest of the season has gone. And I think the one thing that would factor into that, like, like Jeff's just said is, is how the big 10 tournament goes. And so similarly with the, with the sitting, the players in the second half, if, um, if something were to, you know, get super out of hand for Indiana, the the thing is with sitting players like like Mackenzie and Grace is that you have people who can come in and take their spot. Like Lily Meister is going to come in and, and play as close as she can to the way that Mackenzie does. And, you know, you have Lexis Bargesser who can come in and, and run point or whatever it is. So the, the way that the team is is made up, that I wouldn't be surprised if that happens, but it's still a relatively decent game depending on, you know, what happens um, in that aspect because it would be good, I think, in a way to to rest the starters whether you're going to win or you're going to lose um, going into the Big Ten tournament because that's going to factor in a whole lot more. I think the the thing that would happen with a win or a loss would be – the biggest thing would be mentality for both of the teams going into into the uh, postseason because, you know, Iowa clearly will want to come out with a win for, for every reason and so will Indiana. And so it just depends on, you know, whether or not that – the win or the loss, depending on how good or bad it is, is going to impact the way that they – play later on, which it might not, but it also might, you know, in the back of their minds, if Iowa loses to Indiana twice in the regular season and then has to play them in the Big Ten tournament, you know, that we saw what happened with Indiana last year in that same situation. So just kind of little things like that, I think, is going to be the biggest takeaways, you know. Yeah, I do too. I And again, and I'm not saying the one loss would drop us out of a number one seed. I just think that it has the potential to drop us from that number two um 
Is that how, how do we say it? The overall number two, number one seed. <laughs> That's mm -hmm. terribly yeah, you're the number two, no, You're the number two overall team. You're, 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 yeah, you're, yeah. the number two overall seed, right? And, and But I do think it could pile up, right? We lose to Iowa if we go into the Big Ten tournament and we end up not winning that. Um, I think you could see that we slip to that three or four overall seed. And, and that could be potentially, you know, dangerous too, because if you're the number four seed, even though you are still a number one seed, you're going to meet South Carolina before that North Carolina uh, national championship game that everyone seems to want to set us up for, which um, I'm definitely one of, because I, I think that South Carolina, but, you know, they were struggling there. as well so the big pictures that we haven't touched on that either of you want to talk about at this point now we are up against a little we want to make sure we keep an eye on the yeah. time here a little bit because ac radio will be on at the top of the hour but no seriously i thought we had a good discussion about the things i thought were important yeah, yeah. how about no, you I agree. all right how about big picture we're wrapping up regular season here pretty quick is there any last minute comments amanda that you want to talk about oh gosh um <laughs> <laughs> yes, there probably is. Oh, oh, great. Okay. Um, hmm, now let's, I'm forgetting everything. No, yeah. Uh, yeah, God. What is Indiana basketball? Um, no, yeah. I think <laughs> um, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about specifically with Iowa this weekend. Is I continue to I have the whole season, but keeping an eye on Chloe Moore McNeil and the way that she impacts Caitlin Clark because. As much as Caitlin Clark said that she wasn't impacted <laughs> by the defense, I, right. from my perspective, I'm not Good saying point. that she's wrong, but it looked like she was um, she in, in one way or another, because the, and the thing that I was talking about this with a few people the other day is how they were guarding playing overall and how they were playing Caitlin Clark is that they were forcing her to take shots that she couldn't make or that she didn't often yeah. make things like that. And so I think that, got into her head and I think the way that Chloe Murphy plays overall is going to get into her head and no matter what she says about it it can't not from my perspective and I'm just curious to see how that plays out with the referees with the being in Iowa just however however that works if there's flopping called or or not or whatever it's I think that is going to be and the way that Chloe McNeil plays is going to be one of the biggest factors in this game because it was one of the biggest factors in the last game yeah, I agree with that, Amanda. And, you know, no matter what Caitlin Clark said, it took her 28 shots to go 12 of 28 to get her 35 points. And, you know, that included um, eight of those points coming from the free throw line. So I, I think we definitely saw that. I, I think um, Caitlin Clark got taken out of her game a little bit. But Jeff, um, what kind of last thoughts do you want to leave us with tonight? Um, I just want to... I I'm going to be interested to see kind of what we do offensively. And because uh, I, I was the type of team that has given us a little bit of trouble in the past because not just Sonato, they have some other big physical kids that have, you know, been some matchup issues with us. And then also, like you said, Kate, Kathy, they didn't shoot the ball all that particularly well in Bloomington. And, and besides Caitlin Clark, Warnock and the other girls, on the wing all have the ability to knock down shots. They didn't do it in Bloomington. And again, if, if they do and they get spreading us out, that makes, then that makes Sonano that much better inside one-on-one -on -one versus McKenzie. But I'm really going to be kind of interested to watch our offense because I, I really think I was going to come out 
where they feed off of. Somebody was asking the workaholics about Caitlin Clark defensively. She may not be a great on-ball defender. I think she's okay. But she's a, she's really, really good off the ball where she can step into a passing lane or she can get on the help side and get a tip and then get out and run on the break and, or lead the break. So I'll be honest. I think they're going to really come out and try and be aggressive. I think they may try – they may even commit some fouls early just with the attitude that they'll take them and see if the officials will call them for 40 minutes. Um, but I, I, I really think that's what they're going to do defensively. So I'll be really interested to see what we do offensively to either be prepared or how we adjust to the way that I think they're going to come out and play defensively against them. That's to be, I think they're going to be really aggressive, both trying to jump passing lanes. Wouldn't be surprised if we saw some pressure, full court type pressure from them just to yep. see if they could get us moving a little quicker and, and, and speed up our ball handlers mm-hmm. just a tad. Our ball handlers are really good. But we have had some moments where our ball handlers get rushed a little bit and, and have some turnover issues um, with that. So that's what I'm really going to be looking for. I'm watching our offense. And also, obviously, you want to keep the offense going at this point. Not the time of the right. year to find a slump. And so you just want to keep the offense going. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm looking for as well. I'll echo both of what you said um, for sure. Watching Chloe Moore McNeil, I too have been uh, keeping an eye on her since preseason. So she's one of my favorite players to watch. And I think she did a fantastic job on Clark and I expect she'll get that assignment again on Sunday and the atmosphere. And does it take us out of our rhythm? Because this is to me, another argument why we don't rest our starters, especially from the beginning. Maybe you see what goes on in the first two quarters, but we need some momentum. We need to keep everything gelling together. And I want to see how we react into this kind of environment because it's going to be very hostile and they've done it before they did it with Purdue. But I I feel like this actually might be at a separate level from even what they saw at Purdue. Um, You know, even at Purdue, we had a number of Indiana fans and while my husband and I will be there representing, and I've seen a couple of other people, the dozen of us are probably just not going to make a dent in (laughs) all those Hawkeye fans that are going to be filling up that arena. So you um, you and the you and the family members, Right, exactly. <laughs> Me and family members. I saw somebody else on um, Twitter or someplace else that her and her husband live somewhere here. Um, so there's at least four of us plus all the family members. So, you know, um, we'll do our best to be nice and loud in that game for sure. Um, I've never been accused of being quiet that that you can account on. So um, with that, um, I want to say thank you very much to Amanda um, for coming on and joining us tonight on our special Doing the Work hey. radio episode. And Jeff, do you have a last comment you want to jump in it's there? It's not a comment, but I did see this. I don't know, Kathy, if you saw on, uh, on Twitter, but Amanda, I want to give you an opportunity real quick to talk about the opportunity you have this summer. You're going to be going out to cover the Cape oh. Cod League. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Um, Yeah, I am going to be the sideline reporter and beat writer for one of the teams, um, the Wareham Gateman. Uh, I grew up a baseball fan. um, So working on the Cape was something that I always wanted to do. And basketball has come very close to baseball now that I've been at Indiana. Um, But this was it's something that I have always thought about. And so I'm I'm very excited. I'm very honored and privileged to have the opportunity. um, But I can't wait. So now is that like a summer internship? Yes. Yep, I'll be there from like, uh, what is, end of May to beginning of August, so pretty much the whole summer. So yeah, great. Well, congratulations. Good for you. Yeah, thank you. Fantastic. Thanks, Jeff, for jumping in on that. Spread the word of doing the workout esports. Oh, of course. Hey, they're they're close to Maine. I could talk about Mackenzie Holmes. I love it. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Mackenzie will be back next year. We'll keep talking about her too. So, well, let me get this wrapped up here. Um, everybody, ladies and gentlemen, thanks again for joining us tonight. Um, just some quick programming notes. Jeff does keep us up to date about Hoosier alumni that are playing professionally. You can find those on Twitter at doing the work um, for with our or in our private community. Um, Assembly Call Radio will be starting here in about 15 minutes with their weekly show. You can also catch and subscribe to Crimson Cast, who's part of the Back Home Network, where you'll also find Amanda, who does a weekly women's basketball podcast there as well. And then our next game um, will be Jeff and um, whoever he finds to come along with him for the fun will be after the Iowa game. Um, uh, doing a live post game show there. And maybe, you know, once I get out to my car, maybe I'll jump in and give my initial thoughts from my phone as well. But um, in terms of that, you can also see us do the show live. If you would like to be part of our live chat, you can subscribe to us at youtube.com slash assembly call. You can also be part of our private community as well. They have a free trial going on right now. Find out more at assemblycall.com slash community. Special thanks to John Ringer of Riggs Design for designing our new logo. Thanks to Bob Thompson for our music that you heard in the broadcast. And most of all, thanks to all of you for listening. And again, congratulations and thanks to Amanda as well on her internship and for joining us tonight. So um, most of all, thanks to all of you for listening. We'll talk to you again on Sunday. But until then, keep your elbows in, your eyes on the rim, and let's go Hoosiers. Good show. Yeah, thanks yes. a lot, Amanda. And hey, hey congratulations. That's exciting. Yeah, I've been thank you. Um, I had I had shoulder surgery on Tuesday, so I'm moving pretty slow these days. So okay. keeping up with Twitter and everything else has been low on my priority right now. So I missed yeah. that. So congratulations. Oh, totally fair. Thank you. <laughs> thank great. you. I can't wait. Very, very yeah. happy. So absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. So. Congratulations on that. Yeah. So great. what year are you okay, at? Cool. I, I know we've asked you this before, but real quick before we go, are you what year are mm. you at IU? I'm a junior. Okay. Yeah. So I'll be back next year. So one more year. <laughs> yes. One more year. So we'll, yeah. we'll be able to have you around next year. Yeah. That's oh, right. you cover, Yeah. So do you cover IU baseball too? No. Um, with the way that things have overlapped, I can't, I can't okay. do baseball and, and all of basketball, but I will be doing um, radio and like the WIUX student radio broadcast for baseball and softball. So Sweet. a little right. bit here and there. Yeah. After, after basketball ends. Um, so I think I mentioned to you one of our first times talking that. Um, so here in Des Moines, we have the AAA team for the Chicago Cubs. Yeah. And the radio play-by-play announcer is Alex Cohen for the Iowa Cubs. He's an Indiana grad. So, okay. you know, maybe think, yeah. it's his next move, you can, you know, come out here and fill in for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, why not? <laughs> get your baseball ties on and get, yeah. get the IU grad going through uh, through the iCubs organization here. Mm-hmm. So. My son is hopefully going to be at the media school in a couple of years. He'll graduate from okay. high school next year and he wants to do the sports media and everything. So hopefully it's awesome. Yep. So yeah. awesome. That's great. Yeah. Well, right, we well, probably should hang up here for the yeah. AC guys coming in here in a few minutes. So Amanda, thanks again. Yeah, and Amanda, uh, thanks. thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I'll upload yeah. Kathy. I'll get everything taken care of. Got it. Yep. Okay. Sounds good. Thanks everyone. Good night. See all. Everybody. Bye.